Hey, really good friends. This podcast contains adult content and language. Listen with care. Hello. And welcome. To Historically Really Good Friends. A queer history podcast. I am Rachel Craig. And I'm Jared Femblow. Welcome back, friends. Episode two of season two. We're back. That's like our our golden birthday. Two, Mm -hmm. two. We did it. We're back. Right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you celebrate your golden birthday already? You did. I feel like I... But is golden birthday like just your day and your age? Yeah. Okay, so I did it when I was five. Um, Yeah, so don't recall... No. You didn't know. So what if, okay, what if you're, that feels like if you have a golden birthday when you're under the age of like 18, you should be able mm-hmm. to have a second one. So yours should be like 55. You okay, know, so when you're but, 55, like really do it out. Okay, but when I'm 55, like, am I going to want, am I just going to be like, I, like, let's get my nails done with my kids? Like, is is that what's going to be my golden birthday celebration? Like, I don't know 55 is like, let's go to Vegas and not remember anything. Listen, I can't speak for future Rachel. I, I don't know what choices true. you're going to make in the future that will lead you to to 55. <gasps> Maybe I'll get golden birthday 55 breast enhancements. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to say, you're pointing at your boob. I was like, a tattoo? No, we'll get, we'll get what is... boob job. Boob job 55. We? Redo golden. Yes. We? That's what, I, that's we. what my request. That's my request. <laughs> you and I, when I turn 55, will both get a boob job together okay. Okay. we should each get one okay just so we can like, with the cause we say we want one operation but there's gonna be two bodies right, right. Okay. there's two of us so please put one little silicone plushie in, mm-hmm. each, in, in each, each of us. us and we will only be paying the cost of one exactly one so operation right. right okay well let's put that on the books Let's figure out what year that is. I'll put it in my calendar and we'll come back okay. to that. We'll book. Okay. That. Sounds okay. great. I'm okay. really excited for that. Don't me too. let me down. Don't let okay. me down. Oh, I'll try so, not to. In the meantime, what mm-hmm. have you been up to? What's going on? You know, truly not a lot. And I feel like this becomes the weather channel every time we start mm-hmm. recording, but I'm going to talk about <laughs> the weather again. Yeah. We are still in the heat wave from last episode yeah. that I was talking Oy. about. It has been high 90s, low 100s. Finally, right before we started recording, it rained a little bit and it went down from like high 90s to high 80s. It's going to rain for the next like 24 hours and then it's going to go back to normal summer temperatures in like the mid, the low to mid 80s. That is still so icky, and honestly, I, like, get so nervous, so every morning I get, like, my news alerts, like, I get it sent to my email because I am already 55 (laughs) and love to be sad, and this whole past week, it's just been, like, California weather, and Mm -hmm. I... I texted you today, Jared, as you know, because usually it just says Southern California and California is a really big place. So the idea of Southern California, I'm like, is that you? I don't know, but it feels like you are living in, in hell or like Mm. that season one of the good place. Like when everything is just going insane, that's what it feels like is happening. Well, because I also texted you this morning. 
as yes. you know. Mm-hmm. And when I woke up before the sun had risen, it was dark and it was 86 degrees Ooh. out. Like it mm-hmm. did not drop below 86 last night because the hot air was just trapped in in LA. It was like wow. it's yeah, so it, it has been miserable. So we've been inside. My air conditioner has been struggling to keep up, but you know, we've been really keeping it low, really yeah. not doing much. You know, like, going back to last episode when we were talking about manifesting our destiny here in the Mm -hmm. U.S. and just, like, conquering indigenous land all the way through Mm -hmm. California, Mm -hmm. maybe a lot of red flags, but, like, maybe California was never meant to be inhabited by all Mm -hmm. of these people, and that's just, like, mama nature is just telling us to fuck off. I would agree because it's hot. And there's like a hurricane happening, or you yeah, know, like on the a tropical coast, a tropical storm. storm. Like it's everything that could be happening is happening right now. And if I take this as a sign, which I really want to, like I gotta go. Right. I gotta get out of California. Yeah. yeah Where should back. I move? No, not to New Jersey. Not New Jersey. Stop slandering New Jersey. Listen. I did not say anything negative against New Jersey, except well, that I just don't want to. Where are you there. gonna go? Where are you gonna go? Oklahoma? Well, let's, let's no. Figure, no. Let's figure out together right now here on the podcast where is the best place for me to live? New Jersey figured it out did it <laughs> okay well, I mean send your com- send your comments and DM us with your stories and your ideas of where Jared should live and I think it's New Jersey you, it doesn't seem like you took a lot of time to think about that though that feels biased I've taken six years to think about it Jared <laughs> come right, back right. come home <laughs> all right wow what have you been doing um, you know what? I'm living. I'm booked and busy. I'm gooped and gagged. Slay the house down, mama. I've been watching a lot of drag stuff. <laughs> if you can't tell, I have been watching a lot of drag stuff. I started like our semester started both obviously mm. in school. And then since I work on a college campus, like our students have come back. Mm-hmm. So I really am booked and busy decompressing with Trixie a lot of Trixie Mattel and I ordered a bunch of Trixie Cosmetics stuff and I don't do my makeup so that's okay there's no better time to start than the present no it was just really cute and she was like everyone should start using orange blush and I was like sure I will start using orange blush so I'll let you know but Trixie is just really getting me through my days today we love you Tammy thanks you know what though I've been watching a lot of uh like a it's lot so good. over these it... last few days i've been revisiting like i'll finish work and then i'll make myself dinner which mm-hmm. is usually like something gross because i don't want to turn on the oven or the stove so it's usually <laughs> right. like I, whatever and i'll sit in front of my tv and i'll just watch uh all night in you know in the stream of the fan and just like relax like mm-hmm. it take my mind i've rewatching all of them it really is it's like very comforting like because i also just think it's so funny and Eddie's been laughing at me because he's watching me on my phone. Like, I can watch YouTube on the TV, but I'm mm-hmm. watching it on my phone, like, sitting at the table, right. cracking up, like, cannot breathe at Trixie, like, opening Christmas presents from 2021. And he's right. like, I, like, you are just, like, having a blast over there. I'm like, yes, I am. So that's yeah, been a big... you're an iPad kid. I am. I'm an iPad baby. Yeah, throw the tablet in front of you and you're set. Yes, so I've been doing that. I've been listening to new favorite podcasts recommended by my friend. It's called mm. the Bravo Docket. It is so niche. 
And I've already talked to Jared about this. It is so niche, but it is like lawyers who also watch all of the Bravo shows talking Mm -hmm. about the various legal challenges faced by there's got to be so many within yeah especially the real housewives so that has been again like fueling me it's nourishing it's enriching my life at this point we've reached september we are starting to like you know there's an allotment of gas that we have that you know we run on through an entire year i feel like i'm Mm -hmm. starting to run on fumes already and so i really am taking any opportunity i'm using Mm -hmm. any avenue to like keep me going keep me running get me to the end of the year i just need to survive until december and then like i'll feel refreshed i don't know what'll happen then but hopefully something will change i'll be reborn something will be different speaking Mm. about being reborn tell me the queen died. Do we want to talk about oh that? Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, because Not that that I don't... really affects us, but... That's what I was saying to Eddie, because he was like, they're doing something for the queen in like the first NFL game or whatever of the season. I was like, literally, Why? that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. That's so weird. She I don't have a stake queen. in that. Like, interesting, I guess. Fuck Prince Charles and Camilla, but honestly, kind of fuck all of them. Colonizers, imperialists, right. all that business. Like, That's what I was going to say is Queen Elizabeth I'm sad was... that an old lady died and she had cute dogs, I guess. But like, there's many reasons I don't care (laughs) right the dogs are still here and the dogs are still kicking she was not a great person the entire royal family is not great we don't condone what they do we don't like them so really yeah i really i know you got up to watch the royal wedding way back when but listen you were young and impressionable and also it's like it really is from my standpoint like living in america being mm-hmm. white like it really is just like wealth porn to me mm-hmm. like i'm just watching it being like look at this insane richness yeah, yeah like it is it's the same reason i watch real housewives <laughs> like right. it is not it it's just mindless consumption but yeah i think it's just it's uh, thankfully the the royal family mm-hmm. doesn't impact because the UK has parliament and all of that stuff. So like the right. royal family won't impact like, thank God we won't have like a huge economic crash or anything. Right. But, you know, you know what else? We, we, this was the perfect opportunity to just throw the whole thing out. Throw right. it away. I think we should restart. Rip Lizzie, yeah. you know. That's fine. See you later, We don't girly. need cheating bitch fellow imperialist prince king charles no whatever replace him with a king charles spaniel (gasps) i saw a tweet today that was like this is the only king charles i'll trust and it was a picture of a king charles dog it was i think cackle that is a great plan i think we are on the same page there i would agree (laughs) but i feel like this news has been kind of all that the media has been covering and it's the only thing that is like coming across all of my news outlets and everything. And so I've really been needing kind of an escape over these last, at this point, 24 hours when mm-hmm. when we're recording this. And so I, I rarely do this, but I thought there's no better time than the present to start a new show, which Ooh, I rarely okay. do. But I just like needed to not hear about the Queen anymore. I didn't really mm-hmm. care. And so what's better than Queen Elizabeth? queer people right (laughs) yes (laughs) let's just throw that out there and so my friend summer has been kind of begging me over the past few weeks 
to watch a new show on Amazon Prime, not sponsored by the show or Amazon Prime. <laughs> but the show is the new A League of Their Own. Have you seen it? I haven't. I really want to watch it because, um, oh, now I can't remember her name. From Broad City. Abby Jacobson? Yeah, Abby Jacobson is in it, and I am in love with her. Truly. And so also I've... Darcy Carden from Good Place. Janet. Oh, oh, now I do. Now I do. Yes. It seems She's great. I really want to watch it, so I'm excited yeah. that you've seen it already. Yeah, and so I've only seen a few episodes. I because they're long, they're like an hour each. So I've only mm. been able to watch like three episodes in the last day. But it is really good. It's funny. The cast is great. It's what I needed, I think, in this moment. And when I was watching it, I knew about the movie, right? I knew about Mm -hmm. the original movie. This is the new show. And then I got to thinking, what was the actual history Mm. behind this all-female baseball league? And so I started researching it. And what I found was incredibly interesting because it's kind of portrayed in the show. But I wanted to dig a little bit more. And that's how I found my topic for today. I'm back again talking about baseball. I think we need to, you know, second inning, we need to have nine seasons of Historically Really Good Friends so I can talk about baseball at least once in every single season. So that is nine innings. Really getting into baseball now. You're learning so much about it. Truly. It's like I could play it. So today, I'm going to be telling you about the queer history of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. I am the most excited... I'm just, take me on this journey. I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to talk about how Madonna ended up in this movie. Like, like bring me, bring me along with you. Okay. So a little disclaimer, just because you said that I Mm -hmm. very lightly touch on the movie and the show. We're going to talk about like the true history, the true baseball league that inspired this media, this content. Based on a Um, true story. Based on a true story. The sources I use today to help me craft this brief history of this baseball league are the AAGPBL League History from the organization's website, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League Wikipedia, the hidden queer history behind A League of Their Own by Frankie Delacretes, or narratively, and I heavily used this article. This is like the article that all of the hyperlinks and every other article led back to. Like, this is a really great article, has a lot of, like, personal stories and does like a great job kind of just covering the entire history everybody should read it i think it's really great how amazon's a league of their own differs from the movie but stays true to history by shannon carlin for time.com new a league of their own tells the queer stories 1992 film could not by tony bravo for datebook and an aagpbl players association video from their youtube Mm. so like i was kind of disclaiming before a league of their own is a 1992 sports comedy movie about two sisters who join the first female professional baseball league and struggle to help it succeed amid their own growing rivalry it features a star-studded cast with gina davis Lori petty tom hanks rosie o'donnell and madonna got that got that right there it is yeah there she is it's the one and only time i'm gonna mention her The movie has since been adopted by the queer community, despite its lack of outwardly queer storylines. It's quite queer-coded because of the actors and, like, their decisions they made for their characters, not necessarily the director or the story. And the movie itself doesn't self-label as a queer story. 
And so the new show of the same title, A League of Their Own, which is on Amazon Prime, stars a whole bunch of great people. It's co-created, like we were saying, by Abby Jacobson from Broad City. And this new show tackles the conversations that the movie failed to include and almost tried to erase, such as racism and homophobia, though it has more of an emphasis on like queer romance in the first three episodes, at least, rather than like direct outward homophobia. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit, and we'll get into it. So let's jump into the story. A little historical context first. So the United States enters World War II on December 7th, 1941, officially declaring war against Japan after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, a naval base in Honolulu, Hawaii. At the start of the U.S.'s involvement in the war, only men between the ages of 21 and 36 had to sign up for the Selective Service, also known as the Draft. But by 1942, the very next year, the range widened to 18 to 37. So Every single day, more and more men were being recruited and brought into the war effort with like very few exceptions. By the end of the war, 34 million men registered for the draft and over 10 million served. So why am I talking about men? Yeah, why? Tell me, give me a good reason right now that you are (laughs) ruining my Friday night. (laughs) That's always the question. Why are we talking about men? Well, In this classically heavily patriarchal society in which men usually make up a majority of the workforce and breadwinners, women then have to step in during their absence to fill their open positions. But women weren't just filling the roles of factory workers and other skilled labor positions. They were also filling the roles in a certain type of entertainment that was originally male only. Baseball. In 1942, because of the World War, many minor league teams disbanded, and Major League Baseball executives were very concerned that the Major League would be affected next. So, Philip K. Wrigley, the chewing gum mogul and owner of the Chicago Cubs, asked an admin worker on the team to head up a committee that could come up with ideas of how to keep baseball fans in the stands and keep baseball in the public eye despite the absence of their favorite male players. And the idea the committee came up with was to establish a girls softball league that would play in the empty major league parks should attendance fall due to the franchise losing too many quality players to attract crowds. Interesting. Couple of things all this time. So like Wrigley Field, if you're not American or if you are American and don't know sports similarly, is probably like one of the most famous baseball stadiums in the country. Literally have heard of it, even though I'm not a baseball person, had no idea that it was the same as the gum. Wrigley gum. Yep. Yeah. He inherited it from his father. Okay. Like Wrigley also makes big red, right? Maybe. Big, big red gum. I don't know. Either way. Great. A love, lovely gum. Thank you. Thank you for your contribution. Thank you for your service. Thank you. For, and thank you for your idea bringing women in. I'm interested to learn more. Is it like a sexy softball league of like we want to watch women do stuff? Or is it just like playing sports? But I love the I love the ingenuity. Right. Wrigley. It is, I'll, I'll tell you that it is more so to get whatever men are at home and not in the war into the stands. They okay. were kind of like... By showing these pretty women, mm-hmm. men will come and pay money to see them. So it's kind of like um, if you weren't a baseball fan before, maybe now you will be. Right. Put on a skirt, add add some skirts to it, yeah. and yeah. you're there. 
Right. So it's kind of just drawing men in with really whatever they can. It's like, we know what you like, we'll give it to you. Right. And so in 1943, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, or the AAGPBL, was founded. Technically, it was called a softball league, then a ball league, and then a baseball league because of a few technicalities, such as ball size and throwing underhand or overhand. However, it's now known as the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Talent scouts traveled all across the United States and Canada, searching for talented women in small towns as well as big cities, usually from amateur softball games. Over 200 women were invited to try out. And so the initial tryouts were held at Wrigley Field in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And from the 200 women, about 60 players were selected for the initial league roster. Wow. The teams generally played in Midwestern cities as the teams came from Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, and Michigan. Most teams never stayed in their hometowns for the entire existence of the league, which ended 11 years later, 11 years after it was founded in 1954. Wow. The four original teams founded in 1943 were the South Bend Blue Sox, the Kenosha Comets, the Russine Bells, and Rockford Peaches, which, if you're familiar with, a league of their own Mm -hmm. is the main team that's featured. Yeah. The South Bend Blue Sox and Rockford Peaches were the only two teams to have existed in the entirety of the league over the 11 years. Wow. Okay. And they're both in Illinois. Is Are those both Illinois cities? Um, it doesn't really matter, but. Rockford is. I oh, don't South know. Bend, Indiana. Yes. Right? Yes. That's, um, Correct. what's his Correct. name? Rat, Ratman, politician. Huh? Uh, who just had a baby. He's gay. What's his name? <laughs> did, you just, did you call him Ratman? Yeah, he looks a little bit ratty. From Pete, South Bend. Pete, He's the man. Pete. Uh, Pete. Buttigieg. Buttigieg. <laughs> Is he yes, from there? He's from, he was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Did not know that. Okay. Yes. Sorry, okay. Sorry we're there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Woo. So, now that you have a little history on the formation of the AAGPBL and some of the notable teams, let's dive a bit deeper into the lesser known queer history of the league. So the first big thing that we're going to talk about is that a lot of these women looking to break into the professional baseball realm usually would emulate the walk and swagger of the male stars that they admired, right? There's Mm -hmm. only really, there's only male professional baseball players. So those are like the people to look up to. Lots of them wear pants and more kind of like quote unquote masculine attire, which isn't the type of woman that Philip K. Wrigley envisioned playing on the diamond. Right. A lot of these women didn't act in a performatively, again, quote unquote, feminine way, because why would you need to act femininely to play ball? Right. Wrigley didn't care for this and made it extremely clear that the women had to look like a woman, but play like a man. He wanted to project the ideal feminine woman so that men would be attracted to the stadiums. Mm. I mean... Take a look at the advertisements for women working in factories at this time, right? They all have their hair curled, they're wearing lipstick, they're thin. Even Rosie the Riveter has perfect eyebrows, Mm -hmm. long lashes, rouge cheeks. There's this like caution to letting women do the manly things, but remaining women. Right. And also like non being non-threatening, because I think there's this idea that still persists of like, if you do traditionally masculine things, you can't threaten a you can't threaten 
masculinity right? right so like you can do it well but not too well you can do it well right. but you have to look differently like you have to identify yourself differently so you don't threaten a man's sort of standing in that area right which is in our society the highest health thing right is masculinity right. and a man's comfort right so it's it's so interesting that i think you know baseball being the all-american sport and so closely tied with men especially at this time that it's like we want to continue that same energy we're bringing it we're we're still doing it but also we right. want to continue embodying all of those things especially masculinity but don't be masculine please do you can't be don't. masculine it will ruin the whole gig don't right. do it right and so wrigley has this perception as do most americans at the time which like we were kind of saying, even persists into the 2000s with softball in general, mm -hmm. that female athletes are unfeminine and unfeminine women are lesbians. And therefore, mm -hmm. women have to look pretty and act nice and be the perfect straight woman. And mm -hmm. those are the kind of players that Wrigley is looking for, the perfect straight woman. And the thing is that most of them likely were lesbians, but they had to be like deep, deep, deep in the closet if they wanted a chance to play ball and have a successful career. Right, right. Maybelle Blair is a former AAGPBL player who inspired Madonna's character, sorry, I say Madonna twice, <laughs> not just once, in the movie version of A League of Their Own. At the Tribeca Film Festival screening for the new series A League of Their Own back in June, she actually came out as a lesbian for the first time at the age of 95. Wow, that's amazing. Right? At the event, Maybell admits that, quote, out of the 650 players in the league, I bet you 400 was gay, end quote. Mm. And so that's the whole thing. Wrigley wanted feminine women because he didn't want people thinking that the players were lesbian. And if you think about the historical context, the term homosexual or homosexuality wasn't removed from the American Psychiatric Association's list of illnesses until 1973. So we're talking decades before this even happens. Right. And so this wasn't something that they're taking lightly. They're afraid that this could be a detriment to the league if it were a real problem that persisted. Right. And I feel like also straight women, like not being allies at all and there's a history of that especially like feminists for mm -hmm. of this time too who are like i'm willing to enter into a masculine sphere would actually also be opposed to that because they wouldn't want to be labeled or perceived as being lesbians either because right. like that would also affect right. them and their lives and they weren't willing to go out on a limb for that but then lesbians who were in the league needed like you were saying to keep that very very close to them and not right. share that with anyone because then that could jeopardize their positions their roles their lives and, and exactly absolutely and so one of the ways that wrigley ensured that the most feminine ideal looking women became part of this league was by putting the entire league through charm school mm-hmm <laughs> And so Wrigley hired a woman, Helena Rubinstein, a cosmetic business owner, to teach the players how to look and act like a proper woman. And so the players had to go through this etiquette training simultaneously to their spring training for baseball. They would be given a manual, the league's 11 or 12 page code of conduct, called A Guide for the All-American Girls, How to Look Better, Feel Better, Be More Popular. 
Oh god, this is me. This is me watching Trixie Mattel makeup videos to find out how to look like a real woman. That's that's the present day equivalent. Mm-hmm. So you're playing into this. You've yeah. been played. In the guide, you'll find what an all-American girl's beauty kit must always include. How to shower and reapply your makeup after a game. What a morning and night routine should look like. How to maintain your physical fitness as a lady a lengthy section on how to dress, and an even lengthier section on proper ladylike manners. Oh, God. And in my research, I actually found a copy of this manual. Thank God. Thank God. And so I was thinking, if you wanted, I could read you a direct I want you to, please. Okay, what do you want to hear? Okay, so there's the... What your beauty kit should include, there's after the game, which is like how to shower and reapply your makeup. There's your additional beauty routine for morning and night. There's your physical fitness. Oh, also the routine for day and night includes every single part of their body, hair, mouth, hands, Tell me. Tell me. Okay. I'll I'll read you one. Okay. Okay. Why don't we just do mouth, I guess, because it, it doesn't look too long. Okay. okay, so mouth. It says, every woman wants to have an attractive and pleasing mouth. As you speak... <laughs> I hate it already. <laughs> As you speak, people watch your mouth and you can do much with a few of the very simplest tools to make your mouth invitingly bespeak your personality. Your beauty aids should, of course, include an appropriate type of lipstick and a brush. They should be selected with consideration and care. With your lipstick, apply two curves to your upper lip. Press your lips together. Then, run your brush over the lipstick and apply it to your lips, outlining them smoothly. This is the artistic part of the treatment in creating a lovely mouth. Patient practice and care makes perfect. Open your mouth and outline your own natural curves. If your lips are too thin to please you, shape them into fuller curves. Now, use a tissue between your lips and press lightly to take off the excess lipstick. If you wish to have a quote-unquote firmer foundation, use the lipstick a second time and use the tissue quote-unquote press again. Caution! Now that you have completed the job, be sure that the lipstick has not smeared your teeth. Your mirror will tell the tale. And it is those little final touches that really count. Okay. And so that's how in-depth they're going on just the lips. And, like, first of all, how are people watching your mouth while you're playing baseball? And, uh, just more generally, if someone's just, like, looking at your mouth in life, that's, don't. That's a you problem. That's a you issue. Right. They are, I, yeah, they are really, like, as if they like, don't have enough to worry about. There's right. a war happening. No one has any money. Like, you are traveling the Midwest away from everything you know to play baseball because this is the one opportunity you have to do that. So you have to practice. You're on a larger field, probably all of this stuff. And then they're Mm -hmm. like, also, we're going to do Princess Diaries, Cinderella style. You have to balance a book on your head and walk around. Yes. And so, I mean, like you were kind of saying, it it ties into the general appearance on and off the field. So there is Mm -hmm. a whole section about etiquette, which has your speech, how you should act in public places what your sportsmanship should look like, how you should treat the baseball fan, dealing with the public, right? Public relations. And it's like talking about how people will come up to you and talk to you and how you won't know them and they'll be fans and they'll be strangers, but you have to be nice to them and you have to talk to them Mm. and you have to. It's like, it's very controlling in every single aspect 
of these players' lives. Right, right. If it was me, um, I would write an etiquette book about sportsmanship for women in this league. That's when you lose, you have to go kiss the other players. Oh, Ooh, just a little well, I like kiss. That. Just a little smooch. Just yeah. a little smooch. It's very sportsmanlike. Yes, to kiss. You know? I mean, men yes. hit each Don't other on the butt. Don't be a sore loser. You could do what that if it too. Was like, what if it was like a hunk of the boobs and then a little kiss? There you go. A hunk, hunk, and then a, and a smooch. I love that. I think yeah, let's that enact right. that right now. <laughs> okay. From here on out. Okay. But everyone has to consent as well. Oh, yes. That's that's given. So as portrayed in the series, if a player was unable to follow the strict rules or unable to look feminine enough with makeup, there wasn't a place for her in the league. To maintain their positions on the roster, players were required to follow rigid beauty and hygiene standards. Josephine Jojo D'Angelo, a player for the South Bend Blue Sox, was kicked off her team, actually, after playing with them for two seasons for having a quote-unquote butchy haircut, a bob that was too short that she didn't even want in the first place, one she was pressured into getting by a hairstylist who assured her she would look lovely with her dark curls trimmed into a bob. But Jojo wasn't the only one. Plenty of new recruits were handed tickets home as soon as they arrived to spring training for having bobs and wearing shoes that looked too manly. Most players found the charm school and the rules ridiculous, but this was really their only shot at playing professional baseball and having a career, and so many of them complied. They were forced to wear lipstick and sometimes even eyeshadow on the field, as maintaining a feminine face during a game was essential. And so you'll see all of these photos of these players in the middle of a game like pressing their face with powder and like reapplying lipstick and it's like they really were had to show that they were being feminine and like it was like we can't let the viewers we can't let the attendees ever think that you're not a woman right right and it's also again like just so interesting that like what is feminine or masculine like what are we talking about the 40s like mm-hmm. how many different types of shoes were there that you could right. play a sport right. in. How right. many different haircuts were there? Yeah, right. like, I mean, I think we're being a little bit much here with this. Right. This is very subjective. Right, with masculine versus feminine. Yeah. And touching on that a little bit more, not only, you know, about the makeup, but their uniforms were designed very clearly not with the intention of playing baseball, but looking cute, looking girly, and giving the male audience members kind of a bang for their buck. Mm-hmm. Uniforms were a one-piece short skirt flared tunic with a team patch in the center of their chest. The skirts, instead of pants, were detrimental to those who chose to slide to a base. Yeah, there was that's zero painful. protection. Right. Oh my zero gosh. Protection. I can't even imagine that. Like, that's a cute little, like, gives me, like, Britney Spears music video energy. Like, cute Halloween, Halloween costume. costume. Yeah. Like, do a little flip up of your skirt. Cute. Sexy not baseball f- player. Right. Not for a, actually for, playing. Yes. Yes. And so, most players thought it was a joke when they first saw the uniform designs, but it wasn't, and they were very much forced to play ball in them. Satin shorts, knee-high socks, and a baseball cap were included to top off the look. Oh my gosh. But the women weren't only under this intense scrutiny from the public eye, they were also under it behind closed locker room doors. In the new series, A League of Their Own, the Rockford Peaches all live together in one boarding house that's dedicated to the team with a chaperone. This kind of was uncommon in reality, though, with women living with local families or local boarding houses. 
However, each team has this dedicated chaperone to keep the team under careful watch. The chaperone made sure that these women would follow the mandatory curfews and would wear the obligatory dresses just to kind of keep the girls in check and out of trouble. Because these women couldn't, like, couldn't handle themselves and it was too big of a risk that they would do something to upset the league or make the league look bad that they had to be under watch at all times right so they have like security but to monitor them not to like keep them safe just to like make sure that they're following the rules at all times which again like that they are employees of a league they can still be human beings outside Mm -hmm. of their job and it's like god forbid like too much that lesbians too risky we can't right we can't let them out of our sight right the AAGPBL instituted policies against fraternizing with other teams the league's reason was to quote sustain the complete spirit of rivalry between clubs end quote but teams imposed stiff fines on their players who broke this rule to discourage any sort of lesbianism that existed that was the real reason so right it was like well we just want to make sure that is all fair and you know you're ready to compete in the game whatever but it was like no we don't want these women like getting into relationships so like we're gonna fine you and like you'll get kicked off the team if if you like are seen with these other teams even as a cover, that's really lame to be like, we want you to hate each other so that you're like really giving it your all on the yeah. field. Like yeah. so bizarre. Just really got to like drum <laughs> like up the rivalry. Right. It's just that's even just a bad as excuse. If, as if it didn't exist already. <laughs> right. And so as the narratively article explains, quote, when the affair was between teammates, chaperones would refuse to let the suspected couple room together and gauge the reaction of the players to confirm their hunch. One manager released two players because he thought they were gay and was worried that they would, quote-unquote, contaminate the rest of the team, end quote. The article continues, quote, In another case, a married player was rumored to have fallen for one of her teammates. That player converted this young married woman in just two weeks, said Fred Leo, the league's publicity director and later its president. That's so disgusting. That is so repulsive. Right, because they think that queer people are predatory and that, you know, they're persuading these younger women and all of these things. Like, And that's what they're saying about their own players of the league that they've created for them. That they're somehow, again, this concept of grooming other adults into, like, becoming lesbians. Ugh, ugh. Right. A final anecdote tells of Fred Leo discovering a player in a relationship with a woman not associated with the league. So Fred Leo notified the player's husband who came and took her home. Okay, did we ever check up on her after that? You know what? I can bet you we didn't. You know what? Just, just, it's raising some red flags for me as a domestic violence advocate, as my primary career. Mm -hmm. It is raising a few red flags for me that they're like, we're having your husband come pick you up. And no one ever followed up on that. Aside from the homophobia, very bad, but red flags flying all around here. Red flags abound. (laughs) Truly. Players' knowledge of lesbianism ranged widely, though, from very unaware to being in the thralls of queer romance. A lot of players who came from small towns or rural areas were even unaware that lesbians were a thing, whether they (laughs) were one themselves or not are, you know, very different questions. But the initial awareness often came from watching other players pair off and get, quote unquote, very clannish with each other. 
Dorothy Hunter, a player from Winnipeg, Canada, was one of these very unaware players who was then told tales of lesbian romance from her teammates. And being from Canada, she believed these American players were kind of just pulling her leg for being like a naive Canadian. <laughs> Many of the AAGPBL players were either unmarried or if they were married, their husbands were away at war or working on farms or in factories. And because there were so many rules and their training schedules were so intense, there was very little time to meet people outside of their team, let alone go on dates. So right. the environment was very conducive to intermingling between players or even on the flip side, using the excuse of being so busy to avoid dating altogether. Right. Our historically really good friends, Ramon Navarro and James Dean, were two men who were constantly answering the question of who were they dating? Why weren't they dating? And the excuse was usually that their busy production schedules prohibited them from doing so. And so they had to constantly keep up answering these questions. But for these women in the league, it's kind of like, well, we're playing constantly. We don't have time to date. Don't ask me about it. Don't worry about it. Right, right. It, it was a more valid excuse for like a woman of that age and during that time period to not be dating because they had other commitments. Right. So it it made sense where it's not like you're sitting at home and you're like, we'll go out on a date. Right. And so any player who might have been queer and didn't want that to be known had an excuse right. when it came to relationships. And to be fair to those who wanted to stay in the closet, if women were found out about being lesbian, not only would they lose their spot on the league and their career because these women were being paid to play baseball, they would also risk losing family members, friends, mm -hmm. support of their towns. Like, there's a lot riding on the secrecy, their safety, like you were saying, right? It's mm -hmm. There's a lot at stake for being found out. So some of these women were like, I'm not even going to risk it. Like, I don't even want to, right. I don't want to be a part of it. And right. so they would have this very valid excuse of always being busy with baseball to not have to kind of worry Acknowledge about. Acknowledge that piece of it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And while many players later stated that they would be able to identify another queer woman by the way they dressed or the way they acted, a lot of these players' obituaries are the main reason why we, the public, know about their queerness and relationships, right? We don't have mm -hmm. these signifiers or we can't really count on these signifiers to be like, that's a queer woman, that was, right. she was a lesbian. And so we're really only finding out about these players when they die because of a few key clues. Mm-hmm. In the case of Mabel Hall, or Holly, Mabel Hole, H-O-L-L-E, a third base player for the South Bend Blue Sox, her 2011 obituary states, quote, Hole is survived by her longtime partner, Linda Hoffman, end quote. Mm. For Mildred Millie Deegan, a comparable player to Babe Ruth, her 2002 obituary states that Margaret Nuss, also known as Toots, a softball legend herself, was, quote, Miss Deegan's companion and only survivor, end quote. Oh, toots. Also, I, I think it's important to contextualize those obituaries, too. Saying partner and companion, of course, probably shrouded in, like, not wanting to acknowledge. But both of those took place before gay marriage Correct. was, like, federally legal. Right. So there's a chance that even if they wanted to, they could not be legally married. Right. And so that is 
could be another reason why there is still those labels being used. Absolutely. And like outfielder Barbara Sowers was with her quote unquote loving companion, Shirley Mm -hmm. Ann Weaver for 45 years. And so there are plenty more examples like this, like we're saying of these players and their loving longtime companions, but that's about it. And some players were finally able to come out before they passed away. Mm-hmm. Many didn't do so until they were in their 70s or even their 80s, like Pat Henschel and Terry Donahue, who were together for 70 years before they decided to tell people that they weren't just cousins and roommates, but rather loving life partners. Their relationship is actually explored in a documentary titled A Secret Love, which I believe is streaming on Netflix. It was really great really awesome they were two players from this this professional league and so the all-american girls professional baseball league ended after the 1954 season due to a decentralized league administration and a lack of attendance right the war is over men Mm -hmm. are playing baseball again people aren't really attending these games anymore the aagpbl gave over 600 women athletes the opportunity to get paid for playing professional baseball at a level that had never before been attained As Mabel Blair stated at the Tribeca Film Festival about the new series that highlights the struggles and injustices faced by the players, quote, I think it's a great opportunity for these young girl ballplayers to come and realize that they're not alone and you don't have to hide, end quote. And that is the brief history of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, you know, the real life league of their own. Thank you so much for that story. I had never explored it despite seeing the movie and on the TV show. I had never explored the history, the background, because if a movie says based on a true story, I really take that to heart. And I'm like, you (laughs) told me the full facts. Um, There was no extrapolation there. So I appreciate this this history and and there's so much more there is like so much more to the story i'm sure because it is so intricate and really a lot of things factor into it It, i think that this is the times when like historical context i feel like adds so much Mm -hmm. to queer stories right and shed such a light on on those experiences so thank you i love baseball inning to round two inning to to bottom of the bottom of the the second (laughs) you know who's on who's on deck who's in the hole you know dugouts and 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 holes holes all around we love holes here red flags and holes abound we yep very important to this show we have holes and flags Everywhere. Keep up coming. <laughs> God. <laughs> but I think it it that was really really a great story and despite not having the space or the acceptance to have come out in their lifetimes it is nice to know that some of these women have had the opportunity to mm-hmm. live authentically. Of course, I wish that they had the opportunity to do that for their whole lives. Right. But I hope that, you know, that's extended and modeled by people today that are able to live authentically for more of their lives. Right. Amazing. Love it. Thanks for tuning in to episode 29 of Historically Really Good Friends, where we talked about women's professional baseball. This is your weekly reminder that acknowledging the queerness of our history makes having to wear a full face of makeup while sweating just a little bit more fun. 
please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening from. And to see photos from this week's episode, make sure to check out our Instagram at Historically Really. If you feel so inclined, please send us your personal stories at historicallyreallygoodfriends at gmail.com or just DM us right on Instagram. We hope to see you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.